Welcome to the Searching for Meaning podcast. My name is Gonzalo, and I'm joined by my brother, Tiago. Welcome. Greetings. And uh, in today's episode, it's going to be the second part of the book review of the Letters from a Stoic by Seneca. So if you didn't see the first part, I would first of all uh, recommend you do that, you know, because it's going to be a follow-up to that. And how we've been doing the review so far is that we go over like the quotes you most liked from each chapter. Not each chapter, but the chapters we liked and we felt there were quotes worth like discussing. We just wrote them down. Now we're going to cover them. So if you didn't see it, go back and see it. If you're on iTunes, Spotify, you can probably just like click back and it takes you to the previous episode. If not, yeah, buckle up. And let's dive right into this. And uh, I guess I can start right away with... Uh, this is from letter, and I'm going to have to spell it out because I don't know how to say it in like Greek Roman lettering. So it's X V I I I triple I. That's eighteen. And the quote, the quote is, uh, um, and the feeling of having arrived at something which one cannot be deprived of by any unjust stroke of fortune. And uh, the context, uh, like end quotation, like the context for this is, I do believe he was talking about like when you. When outside circumstances and even like inside, like how you emotionally feel, don't dictate how you feel kind of in general about life. Or are you are you just accept everything? You're not saying like, oh, what did this have to happen to me? You're saying like, oh, it just happened. It, it, it is what it is. Then like no bad luck can ever happen to you. And I feel like, there, like there, there's great power in that if we can ever arrive at that point. Because I feel like it's very easy to also get lost in your thoughts and be like oh poor me but actually i was also uh, we were talking before i was uh re re reading yeah rereading uh the quote which was um the last of human freedoms which was by victor frankl so the quote goes something along the lines of the uh what, what was it to always okay i'm gonna have to check the, the, quote. Ca the capability of always choosing how you respond in a in a situation is the last of you and it's not that exactly but i think that's the idea all right i'm gonna of it but if you want to if you want to google it but yeah just i'll, I'll comment a bit on that quote then i think yeah. uh with with that like like i think once you apply that bad luck stops existing kind of i i know it's difficult to grasp to grasp that sometimes especially if like if something really bad has happened to you but if you can truly like react in the way that you're saying like if you take whatever situation or whatever feeling that you are experiencing and be okay with it just you you can just be okay with feeling sad with feeling lonely with feeling angry you you take a lot of power away from it to to make you even worse so like once you accept that there's no more bad luck because you don't view things as bad or positive anymore in sort of a way you just accept whatever is and it's like yeah. you said i think i don't think anyone ever reaches that point it's just like kind of the work towards it and implementing it in your life just it just pays off a lot yeah absolutely and now i found the the actual quote which is <clears throat> everything can be taken from a man but one thing the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way and uh if somebody you know because yeah. If somebody's going to criticize this quote, just know that the guy who wrote this wrote it, if I'm not mistaken, while he was under a Nazi concentration camp, almost dead. Pretty much as dead as one can be without being actually yeah, he dead. He lost all of his family, clothes, life, yeah. everything he had. So 
Yeah, so if people are gonna yeah. be just saying like, oh yeah, but if you had my life, well, bitch, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you had this life. Not to yeah, say like no one, that I, I problems don't... don't exist or that you shouldn't, you know, even feel bad sometimes. But the thing is that it's like that between now going into another quote, which but is like between the stimulus that happens to you and your reaction to it lies what your decision is to it. Because you can you can feel like shit, but still do a decision you feel that is right. You know, I feel like nowadays with yeah. there's a lot of like um, safe space and all that, a lot of focus on feeling good. Sometimes we forget that to do right, uh, correct decisions, you don't always need to feel good, or they don't always need yeah. to feel good immediately. You know, it's not every time you do something, somebody needs to hug you and say you're the best. Sometimes you just do it and that's it, and you're done with it and you move on. You know, mm-hmm. when you go to the gym and you don't feel like it. Just to put it like in very, how do you say, like normal, normals, normal people, person's life kind of terms. If you go to the gym, you don't feel like it. The reward for it is the action itself. It's not somebody coming over and saying like, oh, good there, Johnny. Good for you. Because yeah. then it's like Omar Cazarellis tells you, um, the, the quote he says, like, if you're looking for outside, val- outside validation for your actions, then you're already kind of lost. The action itself should be you know, the reward. If it's a good action, then it's the reward itself. You don't need the approval. But yeah, Yeah, moving on. If you want to go to your quote, next quote. All right, so I'll move on to my next quote. So this is on letter XX, letter 20, on practicing what you preach. And the quote goes, that deed and word should be in accord, that a man should be equal to himself under all conditions and always the same. So this one, I quite enjoyed a bit because it's very, it resounds a lot with me, which I think is one of the most difficult things that I've gone through. And I think a lot of people go through, which is practicing what you preach yeah. just on, on a daily consistent basis. Because we all, like even here in the podcast, we talk a lot about uh, self-development and all these kind of strategies and things we implement. And for you listening, it may sound like we've got this whole shit <laughs> mastered, but truth is we, we, we struggle with this shit daily that's also why just a quick side note i think that's why we talk about it in the podcast it's not it's not coming from a point of view of like we are the masters and you should listen to us it's kind of like we are going through this so talking about it helps yeah absolutely us. So it's kind of a selfish thing honestly <laughs> but but I, th- I think that's it this is one of those things like if you just are able to be yourself and the, the self that you want to portray if like if you are who you say you are that's like the the best thing I think for for that's one of the best goals a man can have, or a man or whatever a human, because it, it's just it just gives you such a a rewarding feeling of like uh, and if you notice in society the words we have for like people who aren't authentic and true for, to themselves it's kind of the worst uh, insults we can call someone we call them an hypocrite it's like one of the worst things you can call someone because I think we just yep. value authenticity so much and so it's one of the best things to strive for. No, absolutely. Uh, and touching more on that point that you said, just to like give the big disclaimer, yeah, like when we're talking about these things, at least for me, it's just me figuring out this for myself as well. Sometimes it's just me kind of giving myself like a, a pep talk or something. Like for example, because <laughs> like today, um, yeah, the last days I was like very obsessed with like, oh, the more followers and likes and da da da. And then if you go back to the stoic concepts, they can really help you with that. For example, for me, it was that Marcus Aurelius one where if you're looking for outside of a- approval, 
then you're doing something wrong. If you're looking for outside of approval for what you're doing and why you're, if you lose like a sight of why you're doing what you're doing. So for me, this page was never to get more likes, but it's, it's very easy to lose track of that. You know, I feel like, especially because human beings are much more, we fear. It's like for us, we, when we lose something, it's much more painful than it is pleasurable to go after and gain something. So when you feel like you're losing grasp of something, you're like, oh my God, I'm losing something. But like three months ago, you maybe didn't even have that thing. So what what did you really lose? You know, kind of going on a side tangent here, but as like, because today I was also writing my like personal mission statement. So like my big, not goals, but like my big character traits that I want to live according to. And now I just think like, as long as I go along with that, then it's okay. It doesn't matter what else happens. As long as I follow like my moral compass, which that it's written there, not, nothing else really matters because I know that I'm doing right according to me. So that's, you know, yeah. kind of a side tangent, but yeah. I don't know if you want to <laughs> add anything else on top of the other thing, but yeah. Nah, that's all I wanted to say about this one. Cool. So I guess I'm going to move on. So this is letter... Okay, 20, 28. Okay, I, I was able to read this. Baby, let's go. So, <clears throat> Big brain. let's get it. Okay, so quoting. A change of character, not a change of air, is what you need. Though you cross the boundless ocean, though, to use the words of our poet Virgil, whatever your destination, you, you will be followed by your failings. And, and there's another quote for your head. I'll just group it up because it's kind of the same. Where you arrive does not matter so much as what sort of person you are when you arrive there. And this goes out to pretty much everyone who feels like they need to either go travel or figure something out that, that is not where you live right now. For the most part, I think you should travel just to realize that it's not outside that you're going to find all those things. Because it's very easy to think like, let's imagine you live in, I don't know, like Budapest. It's very easy to think it's oh man, if only I went to New York, oh, there I would be successful. But then like all your shitty habits that you have right now are going to follow you there because you don't change as a person just because you changed your location. It's not how things work. But it's very easy to, to think that it is. And, and just like also a bit of a disclaimer, I do believe that traveling is very helpful to kind of cement good things that you're doing already. For me, especially like if I'm uh, learning a new skill, and then I travel, especially like social skills. And then I travel and I just kind of forget about it for a week. And then I come back. I feel like those things are more cemented in my mind for some reason. But for the most part, it's not like mm -hmm. if your business failed in Europe and then you go to America, most likely it's going to be the same thing. If you're, if you're like you procrastinate a lot in your city, and then you move, you know, you didn't change. Your environment changed, but that's it. And if you're not consciously changing that environment for better, it's going to be the same. You're going to end up following the same patterns of people you meet, places you go to. So you'll be in, it's kind of like you'll be in the same spot, but just like in different coordinates type of thing. So that's kind of my, my view yeah. on it. Yeah. It's kind of like the, wherever you go, there you are, yeah. you know, it's, there's no way around it. I mean, it's, I think that the good in traveling is that it can help make it easier for you to change some habits. That's what I experienced in my, in my personal uh, life when I travel. It's like, if I want to implement new habits, if I want to 
like if I want to be more social, if I want to come off as a more outgoing person, something like just some just some examples from my life, it's much easier when there's not the personality that you have created for the, your, your entire life associated with you. So when you go traveling, no one knows who you are. Yeah. There's no idea associated to you. So you can kind of, it's easier for you to establish a new kind of um, personality, new habits. Uh, but that's not to say that it's magical. <laughs> you still have to work at it. Yep. It's going, still going to be uncomfortable. It just makes it a bit easier, honestly. But don't go with it with the expected expecting it to change your life you still have to do the th things absolutely you need to do. but yeah i think we can move on to you because i was checking there's so many and quotes so, <laughs> well let's see all right this yeah. is a <laughs> so many quotes okay let's go this one is letter 27 on the good which abides and this is kind of like we we're what we were talking just now but i'll say it again just because i really like how we put it and i really identify with it so uh, is this the reason why you have... Uh, no, wait, 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 sorry. No, I am not so shameless as to undertake to, cur my, to cure my fellow men when I am ill myself. I am, however, discussing with you, you troubles which concern us both and sharing the remedy with you, just as if we were lying ill in the same hospital. This is like... I think this defines uh, perfectly for me what I try to do in, in this podcast and I think what we try to do, which is like we are not talking... We are kind of talking with between ourselves. Yeah, okay, sorry to interrupt. Can you just uh, not can you just put the microphone a bit further away from your, your mouth? It's kind of clipping a bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So just I was just saying that this is one of those things that uh, so just the quote I think really uh, defines perfectly what what we try to do in the podcast. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's like we're not talking to 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 people as if we are once again like on a pedestal it's just that it's like kind of we are trying to find the solutions and and sharing with other people just as if we are patients that we were affected by the same illness yeah absolutely yeah it's never from uh from this point of like oh I, we know everything about stoicism it's just yeah we're just for, and for the most part it's just us sharing you know the teachings of these great these great masters not None of what you're saying is original, pretty much. But just kind of, I, I remembered something before we move on to the next one. I was seeing today, like, uh, Tim Ferriss uh, with uh, Marcos Aure. So it was a very podcast, a lot, a lot of stoicism talks. And it was funny because they mentioned, like, Joe Rogan's podcast and how they both were kind of inspired by him to start their podcast. And then I went, and then he said, Tim Ferriss said, oh, go check Joe Rogan's first podcast to see, like, how it started and how humble it was and to see how things don't become like they are right now immediately and dude i went to saw to see the first episode it was filmed on like i think a free software where in on the bottom of the screen said like recorded with this <laughs> and then it was like both of them shitty camera shitty microphone sh just rambling and you see like one almost two thousand episodes later you're like god damn you know the power of not only consistency and like small improvements over time as well then you get to that. But, but if you guys can go, and if you follow Joe Rogan as well, go see the, f just type Joe Rogan hashtag one on YouTube and you'll see the first episode. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's very humbling to be honest because <laughs> you see like, goddamn, the biggest podcaster yeah. in the world started like this. You didn't start with all the fancy cameras with yeah, Jamie. Yeah, start somewhere. It's just him talking about random shit on his couch with a friend. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think we can move to the next one yep. um okay it's kind of a long one but bear with me so this is from 
letter L-I-V, which I don't know how to say in normal numbers, but well, whatever. So, wait, is this is it? Yeah. So, death is just not being. What that is like, I know already. It will, it will be the same after me as it was before me. If there's any torment in the later state, there must also have been torment in the period before we saw the light of day. Yet, we never felt conscious of any distress then. I ask you, wouldn't you say that anyone who took the view that the lamp was worse off when it was put out than it was before it was lit was an utter idiot? We too are lit and put out. And this for me is just, and a lot of this book is just you coming, or him coming to terms with death itself. And if you kind of strip it away from the emotional side we have to it, you know, because then you do funerals, you cry and all of this, if you see it as, almost if you imagine yourself as a species coming out of Earth, it's kind of just like that. It's, it's just a part of nature. And of course, I don't think anyone will ever come to terms with it, like saying like, oh, I'm ready to die. But to be kind of aware of that, I feel like it just makes life more peaceful and also makes you able to enjoy life more. Because it's like he's saying, how was it before you were born? Do you remember? No. Or when you go to sleep, do you know what happens? Not really. So if death, if the likelihood of death being like that is very high, I would say, or not very high, but it's, it's as equal as you're going to heaven or you're going to, you know, whatever, because no one knows. But mm-hmm. if that is it, then there, we have nothing to fear because you'll just be the same as before you were born, which you don't remember. So it's kind of, it's of course, none of us will ever kind of be like, oh yeah, that's cool. Now I'm going to be peaceful until I die. No, of course not. And if you feel like you're dying, you're going to panic because that's just how your body reacts. But I feel like keeping these ter- things in, in mind, just realizing it's the natural course of life makes it kind of, number one, easier to go for what you want and then also life more enjoyable in general. Yeah, I feel it, especially in today's world, it just reduces a lot of unnecessary anxiety that people have because I think ultimately it just kind of all stems from that fear of death and it just kind of takes on different uh, faces and different ways of uh, appearing to people. But yeah, it's one of the, I think it's like the base foundation of, of everything. It's just the you realizing that you're going to die and that, that there's no nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with death. That's one of the most liberating things I think we, we as humans can reflect on. Like you said, I don't think we, we will ever come to terms with it. And I, I don't, I also don't think we, like if you, because if you eventually come to terms with death, I mean, that's kind of suicide. I don't know if you like, if you really, truly are like, okay with it. I mean, that's, that's a whole other topic, but I, I don't think people will ever arrive there. So that's not really, there's no point going there. But it's one of those things that uh, it's really, if, if you are blocked by the fear, of, it's like if you're, if just the thought of death scares you and like causes you to just like ignore it and really repress it, there's like, I think there's a, some potential being missed out on just because of the, like the, the sheer liberating, liber, like liberating feeling. And not, not only that, but the, the simulta- simultaneously, the, the pressure you feel of doing something purposeful with your life. Because once you like come to terms with the idea that death will come, you kind of are on a deadline. Because you, now you know, okay, this will happen one day. It, it, it's just going to happen. And so you're like, okay, yeah. so I, I better make sure 
that this life will be a, a good one and a purposeful one because like you said we have no idea what's on the other side we, we it may be nothing it may be heaven hell whatever no one knows but most likely I, i'd say even most like most likely it's nothing yeah. it's like you go when, when you go to sleep you, you just do you fear that going to sleep no that's just sleep but for more time yeah. <laughs> you know and so yeah I, I, yeah i think it's yeah this book definitely is And stoicism in general reflects a lot on death, memento mori, and, and I think, yeah, that's just this book talks a lot about it, like you said. Absolutely. Uh, just before you go into your quote, I think so, I have I have another quote that I was looking, that is kind of the same, not the same, but it's in the same topic. So I guess I can say it right now, so we're not kind of repeating over the same. Okay. So th this is it. So you want to live, but do you know how to live? You're scared of dying, and tell me. Is the kind of life you lead really any different from being dead? And just, uh, we'll, I guess we'll go over both of those one more, which is, as it is with a play, like a theater play, so it is with life. What matters is not how long the acting lasts, but how good it is. It is not important at what point you stop. Stop whenever you will. Only make sure that you round it off with a good ending. And uh, just so the first part is that most people, like, we're so afraid of dying, but like he says, Is the, the lives we live that different from being dead? We Not going for the things we want, not putting effort to what we actually believe in, kind of just roaming around. How much different is that than not existing? What impact is that causing? And putting that things into terms is like, then then that's when I feel like death is useful. Because like, dude, you, you don't have forever. You could literally, all of us who are listening, could die like right now. Your heart could just fail for some reason. Just, that's it. And then there's no one around you, you die. That's it. It yeah. could literally happen to anyone at any moment. Yeah. But we but we live in a way as mm -hmm. as though we feel like we have forever and that we're not really enjoying. We Like we say to ourselves, oh, tomorrow, next month, in a year. But there's no guarantees. And I feel like, like for this, there's that great quote, which is, uh, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. It's like, but do something. Don't, don't pretend that you have a lot of time and then you're living like you're not really alive you're delaying shit i think that's that's why death is so necessary it's like ultimately the the most necessary consequence that we we need in our lives because without it it's like if you if you don't have death people people are already having death just waste so much time imagine if they didn't have that consequence of of death they could just i think it's just people would get lost and just waste so much more time because you need consequences in life that's why as a kid i remember as a kid being like oh man why does like why why like when i eat candies do i feel shitty afterwards like why does why did god made make things to be that way and then <laughs> now like growing up i, yeah. I can see that if you don't have consequences for things like you don't really learn that's also why you feel bad like people sometimes like they re resent feeling bad sometimes you need to feel bad okay if you act shitty That's like your body, in your mind telling you, stop being a shitty person. And so it's necessary for us to, to have the kind of the, the, the uncomfortable things in life. They are as much a part of it and as much necessary as the pleasant ones. It's just that we don't know how to relate properly to them mo mo most of the time. And so if yeah. you... Yeah. And even and a lot of the quote-unquote like unpleasant things... I feel like you can make them pleasurable. A lot of it's just you're not used to doing them. Like going to the gym, like working 
for more than 15 minutes straight without going to YouTube. Like shit that if you get used to it, not only is easier, but more enjoyable. A lot of times just getting the wheels rolling when you're starting, which is, you know, we're just talking and you probably think like, yeah, that's easy to say. When I go to the gym, it's not pleasurable at all. And I can see this shit ever becoming pleasurable. But it's sometimes you just have to give time to things. Like for me now, the worst part of going to the gym is just the walk there. When I get there, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is amazing. But just getting, it's, and, and then you start figuring out all those things as well. One of the things that also I kind of noticed, I think it was Gary Vee I saw talking about this is, which is a lot of the times when we feel in a hurry to get something is because we're not really living for ourselves. We kind of want something outside of us. We want our parents to be proud of us. We want our friends. We want to feel better than our friends. We want something. Because when you play for yourself, you kind of, kind of now being a bit different from all this, you kind of have forever. So you also need, you need to do, but you don't need to rush things. Because what, like, imagine if you want to be a millionaire, what difference does it make if it's tomorrow or in two years, if you're making, if you're doing something you enjoy? Like, does it really matter? Or do you just want that because you want to feel better than everyone else and everyone to be proud of you? It's, it's also just like figuring out those things. Because I notice now the goals like that I have are much more shifted towards myself and not so much the outside approval. So I'm like, oh, it's chiller. I still do them, but there's a different calm. I know I'm not going to cut corners to get something yeah. done, for example. I'm going to take the time things need. So I feel like that shift is, you know, super important. Okay, so I think that's all we have on this quote. You want to move on? Okay, so I'll... Yep. Uh, you can yep. go on to, to your so next quote. So this is letter... Let me see if I can do this. This is letter 43 on, on the relativity of fame. This is like a short one. For greatness is not absolute. Comparison increases it or lessens it. And I think this is like a, a very helpful reminder for people in general. Whether you're feeling shitty or feeling like too uh, too good about something. Not too good, I don't want to say that. But like if feeling cocky about something. Because it's like he says, if you think, if you really think about it, great is completely relative. Let's take my favorite example because it's the thing I love the most. Like, yeah. Let's take the, the world's uh, heaviest deadlift, 500 kilos. It's like, okay, you, you look at that, it's like, oh my God, that's like an amazing feat of strength. That guy's super strong. But if you compare it with like a, one of those things that li lift like palafs, you know, in construction things, like it's weak. That thing can lift, or, or a crane, like a crane can yep. lift a ton easily. And so if you complain, if you compare Eddie Hall, the guy who lifted 500 kilos to a crane, it's like he's no longer strong. But if you compare him to every other single human, he's strong as fuck. It's like it's, it may seem like a, an awkward yeah. example, but it's one of those things. Like even if you're at the top of your game, this is a good reminder to like chill out. It's not don't think don't think yourself to be better than other humans just because you did something that's rare. And if you're feeling shitty, just like remind yourself that like it's kind of all relative. I mean, sometimes you you need to feel bad, and sometimes you you really are doing stuff bad. But sometimes you just kind of like slightly above the average, and you're still kind of like bashing on yourself like just like don't compare yourself with outside uh, things or, or at least if you do that like pick a good example but most most of the time i'd say just compare yourself to your previous self just like jordan peterson says that's the most important yeah, thing a hundred percent yeah because if when you do that then it's it's just you against yourself and we underrate so much the the power of small increments every day because 
I feel we, we've t- talked about this a lot, but is that the Kaizen principle of if you improve 1% every day, at the end of the year, you'll be like 3,000% better. But, but no one wants to just be like, oh, sure, I'm going to improve 1% every day. We always look at the Rocky montage, the fucking movie scene, and he's like, yeah, and in two months, not even two months, we feel like, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym, and in one month, I'm going to lose 90 pounds, baby. Guess what? No, you're not. You're not. It's, it's almost impossible, and if it's not, it's very unhealthy. But, but like, we always do this. We, the only reason why we want all these crazy things is because we're doing it for someone else other than ourselves and comparing ourselves to, like you said, to outside examples. Because if you compare yourself to like, oh, yesterday I was 200 pounds, today I'm 199. Well, that's a win. Keep doing that until you reach your, your, the weight you want. That's it. You don't need to... And a, a big also impediment, I think, is that, you know, especially when things are working out and we get bored and we think like, hmm, well, this is working. But there must be something else. Mm. There must be a little secret that I'm missing to like yeah. speed this shit up. But most of the time, guess what? It's not. You know how long it took Joe Rogan to become the most successful podcast in the world? Ten years. It wasn't no fucking hack. It was just doing that and slightly improving every day for a long period of time. That's it. It's not. It wasn't. Yeah. Can you imagine Joe, Joe Rogan just like Googling top 10 ways to improve your, your podcast growth or something yeah, like that. Like... Just like doing click funnels and stuff. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> because he isn't the type of guy that does that. But guess what? It's still there, you know? Number one, it didn't use none of the acts, the the, the secrets. Yeah. Just consistency. Consistency is the biggest secret because no one wants to believe yeah. it. And true. if you see, I love seeing this uh, on YouTube. The biggest YouTubers are guys that have been doing this shit for the longest time, super consistent. Yeah, like yeah. PewDiePie. Do you imagine PewDiePie googling the top ten secrets to grow? No, he doesn't. He doesn't have time. He's busy doing his craft. Yeah, he just like just a quick side note on this. He just got married, and he still uploaded a Minecraft video on the fucking day. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it was the day he got married, but it's still, there's still it was there the daily video. Yep. Like that's dedication. And and the thing is, you look at that and you feel like, oh my god, that's impossible for me. I could never do it. But guess what? If you start eventually you'll get there but you have to like when he started he had the shittiest computer he didn't know what he was doing he did a video celebrating 1000 subscribers and now he's almost at 100 million <laughs> yeah 100 now he's almost at yeah. 100 million and and you think oh, how did he got there well he made a video every day for the past seven years almost you know do you want to do that as well because then and then because even doing that then it's a very slim chance that you get to that height but there's a very high chance that you get where you want to which is for most people, yeah. to just do that as full-time. That's it. Do the thing you love full-time. And yeah, I know I'm getting kind of upset, but it is because... because I, <laughs> and and I, the, the reason I'm upset is because I still shift into that mindset sometimes. Of like, oh, there must be something else. Yeah. But there's not. There's just... Not, you can optimize shit and you should, but then you, you just have to do things. Because after you optimize, you just have to keep doing them every day. And it's... There's no... Like six six month millionaire and shit like that, bro. That shit doesn't last. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's like one in a million cases of that, but for most people, bro, that shit doesn't work. And not only, and if it works, then it's not worth it. But you know, that's my two cents on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess it's my quote. Let me see. Uh, holy fuck, there's so many. Oh, there's one I skipped. That was before the death one, but I, it's a. Uh, 
Where is it? It's very good. Oh, it sits here. Uh, wait. <laughs> okay, this is it. There is no such thing as peaceful stillness, except where reason has lulled it to rest. Night does not remove our worries. It brings them to the surface. All it gives us is a change of anxieties. For, when ev for even when people are asleep, they have dreams as troubled as their days. The only true serenity is the one which represents the free development of a sound mind. And to like to give kind of my interpretation of this, I it's kind of a hard to at least for me to interpret this quote, but it's that I feel like on the one side we're always trying to look for this end goal of like chilling at the beach and ah now I can rest, now I'm at ease. But the counter argument he gives here is that even when we are at ease, other worries pop into our mind, even if it are our dreams, even if it when you're should be completely like resting, sleeping, you still have nightmares, you still have sleeping. And a big thing for me is that that I take from this is that it's not to like try to not have any problems, just try to make them better and try to make them the problems you want, as opposed to mm -hmm. be reactive to life. It's trying to, you know, to you have to be if you're in a reactive state to life, it's dealing with that and then planning ahead like playing on the things that are very important but are maybe not necessarily urgent right now yeah that's so important what you said right there of not trying to erase all of your problems but just with going with the mentality of trying to find better ones and that was really one of the things that really like one of the biggest mindset mindset shifts i ever have ever had was because of mark manson he talks a lot about that actually in his first book the salar i'm not giving a fuck he says they're like mm -hmm. we as humans aren't we'll we'll never run out of problems the, the thing we can hope for is just to find better ones and that was such a mind yep. fuck the first time i heard it because i feel like my whole my whole like entry into self-help was was kind of like okay this is cool because now i can stop feeling bad and solve all my problems and then eventually i didn't solve all my problems and i was like what the fuck but then i read that book and i was like yeah this makes sense yeah. because we are humans like this is how we evolved we come up with new problems and we come to the solutions to those problems and it's a never ending process. And that's what it's about. It's the process of, of solving the problems. That's really what we're after. We don't want to, yep. we don't want to admit that, but that's really what, what we love doing is solving that problem and finding another one, solving it. And of course you don't want to keep bashing your head into the same problem. And that's what you, where you, what you said comes into It's just like find better problems. And that's how you, that's how you know your life is getting better. And that's how you know you, you're living a happy life. You're ultimately, solving problems and if you're if you're, if you're living a purposeful life you're most likely solving problems that are common to other humans and you're helping other people in the process of solving problems and yeah that's all i have to say on that quote no for sure because yeah like i think the mark manson thing i don't think it hit me as hard as you when i read it it was also kind of a good reminder of it and it's so true because that that is it we're always trying to get to a point of like just resting but if I was like anyone listening, if I were to give you a hundred million euros, you never have to work again. And then I say like, oh, you can be in that beach forever. You don't have to do anything. For, for in look, okay. After I give you that, there's probably gonna be a period between like one week to two months that you're not gonna do anything. But then after that, you're gonna find some new problems. You're gonna be like, huh? So how do I invest this money? <laughs> or yeah. or how do I how do I build like the fastest car with this money now? Yeah. There's always gonna be some. It's as humans we're driven to that, yeah. and the 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 biggest challenge I feel like is to find the sweet spot where you feel like you're being challenged but also achieving. 
it's not too out of reach and it's not too easy. It's like you're in that kind yeah. of like you're struggling, but you're getting there. The zone. And just a, yeah. a side disclaimer on, on that example. If you're wondering how to make more money, just go to our comment section and you'll find loads of experts on cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> Don't man, it's so search annoying. no more, man. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah well, the context for that is that there are so many people saying like, oh yes, Mr. Bora helped me make <laughs> 1 million euros with Forex. Please sign up. It's like, bro, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? Yeah, I have to delete like 10 comments of those every day. It's yeah. so annoying. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. But a, a tip I would give you that I'm, I can give it is if you want to make more money, Focus on a skill that you're kind of sure that will, could give you more money if you're good at it and then do it on your free time. And then eventually, when you feel like you're good, start marketing that and then whatever. It's not by selling Bitcoin that you or selling Forex courses you've never even heard. Yeah, don't, and don't like don't fall into that. Schemes and shit. Like, yeah, 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 Jesus. I wish there was a way you could just like have there probably is like a bot who just sees the word Forex and immediately <laughs> yeah. links to the comment. <laughs> I, I could just put like some keywords and I'd get rid of all of them. But yeah. Yeah. I'll just, just put the f- like forex and the dollar sign and that's it. <laughs> You're good. Yeah, <laughs> Any comment with that, you just delete. Yeah, that's all we need. But moving on, I also yeah, skipped I- the quote back then. So I'll just go back a bit. This is letter 39 on noble aspirations. Wait, isn't isn't it my quote right now? Or do you want to say that one first? It's, what? It didn't just Did say you s- your one? Was it, I think it was yours, wasn't it? No, you just talked about the like the thing on the beach thing. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, go for it. it. Yeah, whatever. All right. So the quote goes, they even love their own ills, and that is the worst ill of all. Then it it is that the height of an happiness is reached when men are not only attracted, but even pleased by shameful things, and when there is no longer any room for a cure, now that those things which once were vices have become habits. I think this one is very relatable just for one simple reason. People, and I think... This is what what like the the most relevant example of this is like people fall in love with complaining uh, about stuff. They they kind of yep. they make it into their own personality. They are the guys that absolutely. And this goes from every like I I have this, I think most people have this into one like respect of one thing. It's like you're the guy that hates the government. You're an anar- anar- anarchist, so you love complaining about that. And guess what? Even if like government stopped existing no especially if that happened you'd probably feel bad because now you'd have no you'd no longer be the guy complaining that's just an example you can give that the guy who complains about the weather the guy who complains about taxes the guy who complains whatever like there's no really there's no use in complaining about stuff it's just a waste of energy and once you make it like your personality i'm the guy who who doesn't like this i'm the guy who complains about this whatever it's like you've kind of you you Taken something you that's bad for you. Over. Yeah, you fucked yourself because you t- you t- taken something that's bad, a bad vice, and said, "No, this is me. This is the good. This is good. This is who I am, and I defend this thing." So yeah, and it's so it can happen with anything. Like like people who smoke, especially where we are from Portugal, people smoke a lot, and because they start so young, that becomes your identity. You can't even yeah, be the guy example. who doesn't smoke anymore. Or people who smoke weed also become a lot the that's their whole identity. It happens with a lot of things and it's kind of, yeah, it's one of those things. I think it's Warren Buffett has a good quote on this, which is the chains of habit are too weak to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like that. If you don't, if you don't catch that shit early enough, it's going to be much fucking harder Yeah, because then it just starts weighing you down forever. And even I have a, a quote, the quote that I wanted to say goes perfectly along with this. So I'll just say it now. It says proof. 
And an easy ta task it is that so-called pleasures, when they go beyond a certain limit, are but punishment. And that is it. It's a cigarette that maybe you've been pleasurable in the beginning. Now it's just almost you're punishing yourself kind of thing. It's not... Because I, for me, this happens sometimes. If I eat a lot of shitty food for a lot of days, then I start... I, I'm eating it and I'm like, oh, I feel fucking horrible. It's like I'm punishing myself for some reason. I don't even know. Because you, you, but because that is just so addictive. You're just like, oh, I, but I still feel the need to do this, but I don't feel good. And it's, yeah, it's trying as hard as you can. Because let's be honest, we're all we're all gonna fall in temptation. It's we're humans. It's gonna happen. But don't let it happen like twice in a row. Like just try. Yeah, that's the main thing. Don't don't build the habit around it. Just do it once, and then it's if you get, get drunk one night, then the next. When the next night, don't get drunk or don't go out or you know, yeah. make that Just a get once back in to a your routine, even if it feels exactly silly. make it like a, not a once in a lifetime, but like this shit doesn't happen often. This is not yeah. who I am, yeah. This, that's the, the key thing. It's like don't turn it into your personality. And I see this is like this is the thing that this really makes me sad, which is when people like they develop the personality around being the, the depressed guy or the, the sad oh girl, God. the lonely, like don't do that to yourself, man. It, it's just it's. I know it can feel good in the short term because you, you maybe you find a group who also relates to that and feeling bad and whatever and just in this example. But man, just know that in the long term you're fucking yourself over. You're just creating an identity that's going to make you feel worse as you yep. do it more and more. So just resist that short term temptation and just find good stuff for you, for yourself. Which you know it's it's easier said than done, but yeah, it's sure. at some point you also just have to fucking do it. A lot of times like not to bash on anyone because I feel like sometimes when people complain, they just need to be heard, you know? And we even had that post where he said like, if you want to reach out and talk, like, and it's very fulfilling to be able to talk to those people. Yeah. That, yeah. Just a side, like, that was one of the most like awesome moments from this entire journey of creating the, yeah. the podcast. It's like, uh, we've had some of those moments, like where things I feel really get like real. We've had like the yeah, first yeah, one was yeah, a guy yeah. that's, like talk to us i don't and i don't even want to mention this story but it was a guy like really touched us and now with this post i think we got that kind of thing that refresher again that like some people are struggling and what we do helps even if it's just a little bit and that's yeah. just just that's awesome yeah and yeah i'm not even gonna say what i, what I was gonna say i think we can actually because the podcast is already in 40 minutes i think we can end it there and yeah, all right, sure. We, we just do it a part number three of yeah, this book uh, is going to take a while to finish. Yes, so. It's a dense ass book, so hopefully, yeah. you guys like it. Yeah, and uh, with that being said, this was episode number 35, I think, of the Searching for Me podcast. If you guys, oh, uh, if you guys don't know, we just released a new newsletter, which every Friday we send you like five, you know, like articles, quotes, stuff we liked, or it's like, uh, blah, blah, blah. let me reset that <laughs> five things we like about stoicism. Uh, directly to your inbox so if you want that it's going to be in the description of the podcast you can also go to our uh instagram and there's a uh, on our highlights the one next to quotes if you click that you can go to the link so yeah with that being said it's been a pleasure and we'll see you next week bye bye, bye, -bye.